Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, and I think you guys know that that's my name. Yes, indeed. Um, back to do it to you one more again. A uh, lot to talk about this week, per usual. Um, unfortunately, we have some some things that we really need to discuss as a community, um, and certainly to discuss with other communities, minority communities, and... Uh, thought it was timely that we took it a show to to discuss what it means to be afraid of each other fearful of each other as as minority groups and you know ways that we can strengthen our relationships with each other um so we're definitely going to talk about that we're going to talk about an instance in hawaii where uh, a man by the name of lindani mayeni i believe is how i say his name uh his life was taken by the police on honolulu as a result of a phone call um, from an Asian uh, family that was afraid that he was a burglar. Uh, we'll get into that story in just a bit. Um, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, a Latino man uh, in Las Vegas who was randomly uh, attacking black folks walking around. Um, and we're, we're really going to examine what mental illness is and what it means to, to really love each other through these these seem they, they seem like tragedies i mean in the first instance it certainly was um and how we can heal and how we can do better and do right by each other um and you know we also want to talk about um uh how to not be so defensive and and you know q mentioned that uh you know we should probably relegate that to our become a better ally segment of the show we're gonna uh Talk about Abraham Lincoln, some of the myths myths about uh, our our black savior in this in this country, um, and uh, just kind of really deal with the real. Not not trying to vilify him or anything, but really really educate ourselves and educate you know um, our posterity so that we know really where we come from, why we're here, and where we're going. So uh, DJ Swirl is going to uh, handle our way black history facts, but first. want to talk about our ebony excellence so uh mahala norris heard that name tell me a little bit about miss i will um so we have a video up on our facebook page i want to say um of a little tiny woman she's four feet 11 inches tall and she uh, recently won the national championship in the 300 sorry the 3000 meter steeplechase now i didn't know anything about a steeplechase i didn't know anything about meters or running or anything like that i'm not into sports in the way that you are but once upon a time you were a world-class runner right it's weird to say out loud now because i'm super duper slow now <laughs> <laughs> but yes i was a world-class sprinter an all-American sprinter once upon a time, yeah. some 20-something years ago. Yeah, but at that time, you were one of the five fastest humans on Earth. If one, I one of the six. Six fastest? Something. And, and I was a, I'll, I'll say this plainly. I was a part of the sixth fastest relay team of, of people under the age of 18 right. in right. the United States. So this is right up your alley. Well, anyway, our Ebony Excellence... Uh, this week, we wanted to shout out Mahala Norris. Um, so her, a little bit about her story. She was adopted from Port-au-Prince in Haiti. I think she's a service member, correct? Yep. 
Uh, so she graduated from the Air Force Academy, and believe it or not, she's now in the Space Force. Wow. That's a real thing. She's a part of it. So, you know, well, hey, kudos. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, she's four foot eleven. And when you watch the video, it is extremely inspirational. You see this tiny little black woman. And I guess the steeplechase lends itself more to taller folks doing better. Yeah. And if you don't follow track and field, first of all, she's the, the 2021 national champion at the steeplechase. Uh, the steeplechase competition came from uh, in Europe in yesteryears. Uh, the actual idea of running from steeple to steeple. You know, through lakes and ponds, they made it into a track and field event and they created these man-made obstacles to make it a bit more difficult. You have to jump over um, like a horse barrier mm -hmm. and two feet of water. Yeah. And then continue to run 3,000 meters. A lot tougher when you're 4'11". And it's impossible it would seem. Even when you're watching it, there's a moment, if you don't know any better, where it doesn't seem like she would have a chance. Yeah. And, uh, and she ended up, you know, triumphant at the end of it. So definitely check out that video. Um, again, shout out to Mahala Norris uh, for our Ebony Excellence section of the week. And now, it's time to get in the meat and the potatoes of this show. So, a little bit about Lindani Mayeni. Um, so, I got this article originally maybe two or three months ago in our, you know, in our group chat. Um, we have a group chat for the show where we send articles, things that we feel need to be discussed. Um, and at the time, I remember we weren't able to discuss it on the radio because we had so many other things to discuss. And this wasn't the one that was getting the most national attention. And so we really needed to speak to what was going on in the world. Um, and as much as we'd like to highlight things that are really important like this, we weren't able to. Well, fortunately, um, this has lingered a bit and uh, some additional footage has come out. So I, what I'll do is I'll kind of tell a little bit about the backstory. So basically what happened is um, husband and wife moved to Hawaii, right? The, the, the man is African, um, but he lived with his wife in Colorado, moved to Hawaii. Um, and on the island, what they would do is they would go to a temple to like meditate or pray or whatever the case is. So um, the way the story goes and the way that we got the story originally in the group chat was that um, the man went to this t to the temple. He was attempting to go to the temple um, and he went at night and he went into the building next door, which ended up being a private residence. And through a series of unfortunate events, the police ended up killing him. And, you know, that's all we knew. Right. And at the time, that's enough for us to, you know, demand an investigation, find out what's going on, you know, shout Black Lives Matter, and kind of bring some attention to this, because these deaths, as we know and often feel or feel and often know um, in the black community are senseless, unwarranted, and um, they kind of desensitize us over the long run to black violence you know, um, violence against black bodies. And I, I know that that's true because as I read the story, my heart didn't break as much as it would have had this been years ago. You know what I mean? I'm just like, okay, I kind of know the way the story goes. So I'll read a little bit about the story to you and forgive me. I'm going to, I do want to read this. Um, so this comes from, um, 
the Atlanta Black Star. And uh, I'll read just a little bit from the article. So uh, what happened is a, a ring camera came out and then they, they released the, the unredacted police cam. So you, you're able to see everything. So allow me to describe what happens. So Lindani Miani can be seen walking up to the residence and stopping to take off his shoes um, as you do when you're going into a temple. Okay, back to the um, article. Um, less than a minute after he enters, Miani is seen exiting. And viewers can hear the woman calling 911, saying, he break into my house. As Lindani appears to try to assuage their fears at the front door. The woman can be heard telling the 911 operator that Miami didn't appear to have any weapons and was not behaving aggressively toward the couple. He can be seen apologizing to the couple multiple times. Lindani walks to the patio column where he left his shoes and puts them on as he leaves the residence, apologizing one final time. Um, and I'm skipping over parts of this to get through it real quick, but there's a part I skipped over and it says he actually asked to see the phone. The woman's on the phone with 911 as he's leaving. He asked to see the phone to let them know. I'm assuming, you know, he can't tell his story anymore because he's probably buried somewhere. Um, okay. Uh, a quote from the lawyers who released the video said Honolulu police, quote, tried to convince the public that this was a burglary and that Lindani Mayeni was acting erratically. But the doorbell video we have now obtained from the owner shows that HPD knew all along these stories were untrue. The ring footage, uh, end quote, the ring footage next depicts the woman walking back and forth through the door of the residence, telling the 911 dispatcher how fearful she is of Lindani well after he walked away from the residence to his car, a frantic call that culminated with her screaming, that's him, as she pointed out Lindani to arriving police. Um, and now it's the unredacted body cam. Uh, the footage shows the officers confronting Lindani, who had remained in his car nearby. The three cops run toward him, yelling, get on the ground now, to which Lindani, now out of his car, responds, who are you? The shaky body cam video shows a scuffle start within seconds, a taser deployed, then someone yells, shoot him, before a shot rings out. Another voice is heard yelling, F you, followed by three more gunshots, and only then an officer yelling, police. So they executed him without even identifying who they were. Um, and I'm almost done. The police account uh, of the incident on April 14th, um, outside of the house, it says outside the house, he ignored commands to get on the ground and physically attacked officers, leaving one with a concussion. So that's what the police said happened. And of course, the video shows that the police rushed him, shot him and then identified themselves. Um, and then uh, this is a letter from his widow. Who's a white woman. Um, I'm not sure if that matters, but I want to say that because. It's people like her that I, I feel like they are entitled to experience this trauma with us, with a, with black folks. You know, she's she obviously fell in love with this man. Her future is tied to this man's future and so forth. And um, I just think it's important to mention that. Um, Lin Lindsay Mayani alleges that police re reaction was motivated by racial discrimination towards people of Mr. Mayani's African descent and has filed a lawsuit against the city of Honolulu. The widow claims she spoke with her husband earlier that evening and believes he mistook the residence for a Hare Krishna temple located next to the residence he entered. Um, because Lindani was wearing his 
Umkele, a traditional Zulu men's headband, and took his shoes off at the door. Lindsay feels he entered the home with respectful intentions and serves as proof he made a mistake. Hari Krishna. Um, is that how you say that? Yeah, Hari. Oh, Hari Krishna. Okay, sorry about that. Um, one more thing I want to say is that um, in the first article I read a couple of months ago, um, she mentioned that the two of them, her and her husband, went to that temple prior to that and worshiped there together. And so he was returning there to worship again by himself, hit the wrong door. And then ultimately that, and probably was confused outside on his, in his car trying to figure out where he was supposed to be. Who knows? Please show up, you know, and then the story goes the way it goes. Um, now, of course we need to talk about, you know, the police interaction and we, we need to talk about, you know, um, why people shouldn't be victim blamed and, and how police stories like this tend to paint the police always says the good guys are paint the police as the victims um, and paint oftentimes black and brown individuals as the aggressors and so forth. And there's a hundred things wrong with this. But um, for today's episode, I wanted to talk specifically about the couple that called the police. This is not an old white couple. This seems to be an old Asian couple. Um, and I feel like, especially after the year that we've had, especially after locking arms with our Asian brothers and sisters, that this gives a certain faction of the population cause to say, oh, they're not with us, right? Um, you know, I grew up in California, and there's a lot of Asian folks in California. And a lot of those Asian folks come to California, and they build their infrastructure and how they their their revenue streams right in poor black neighborhoods and there is uh, a history of black folks and asian folks not really treating each other all that well being in the same environment some folks feel like it's disrespectful and exploit exploitative um and some folks feel it's just enterprise and we're doing our best we're, we're in the same boat you know we're trying to get out of it but the fact of the matter is that i've seen this before and it's our job to speak to what we could be, where we could be. And I think that this story that we just read is based in fear and stereotypes um, and ultimately resulted in someone, another person losing his life. I always, and I've spoken you know, to our audience and we've spoken to each other about this before. I always have a... Something that gives me pause mm -hmm. when we get to give people the get out of jail free card of fear. I think sometimes it's hate. Sure, maybe. And when people who don't like people based on their ethnicity or the color of their skin weaponize what they call fear simply as a way to justifiably hate and hold down and and in a lot of cases kill people they just don't like and because everything that you said the video the phone call he's not acting aggressive he doesn't have a she weapon said it. Yeah. he has regressed he has left he's but we're still acting frantically afraid right knowing 
the type of response that elicits from law enforcement right. who seemingly by training and by their very nature don't like people that look like us anyway yeah this guy never no had matter a what ethnicity the officers are yeah that's fair too because that's something that we don't always point out it's not you know white cops white officers don't it, like it's cops. no it's cops yeah um system so she knows what she's doing when she's making it her business to keep saying that's him and i'm afraid and i'm and when there's not there's no actual reason for her to feel that way so i don't i don't know that that's actual fear i think that's a way of weaponizing your hate in a way that doesn't paint you out to be the bad guy that's fair that's 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 i think that's more than fair but what i think i i'm trying to establish here is that even if it is hate it's taught and I'm, we're, we're speaking about an Asian couple now. Mm -hmm. So Asian folks, some of them really do fit that stereotype, harmful stereotype of the quote model minority. And if you do fit that harmful stereotype, there's a chance that you culturally and certainly economically identify more with wealthier white folks in this country, right? And so this is why you get this sort of Karen-esque behavior out of an Asian woman. Um, but what I don't want to have happen is articles like this get too far away from us, even if the woman is white. You know, on this show, we talk about it all the time. And if you listen to us every week, you know that we talk about it. Even if you're white, you are our sister, you are our brother. That's just how we feel about it. And we're going, if you, even if you don't agree with that statement, I know that we're going to get there. It might not be in your lifetime, but we'll get there. That's th that's what propels me. That's what fuels me to come to come and do the show every week. I love and appreciate my brother's hopefulness. But it's it's particularly it's it's a particularly um, unusual situation when the when the person is also a minority, the person causing harm, because you would think you would assume that you identify with discrimination you understand what that's like you understand how a mistake can get you beat up or hurt or whatever you know a common human mistake it's an error i'm not from here i just moved to hawaii i'm trying to go to church or a temple and and i walked in the wrong door yeah the the evil oppressor is also brilliant and the ideology and the psychology that goes behind another minority filling that model minority or that sense of superiority that's ingrained like you said it's taught mm -hmm. and the fact that it's so enrooted in cultures everywhere and has sustained for this long shows the brilliance of the ideology absolutely you, you really convinced groups subgroups everywhere that there is a superior subgroup now, we're that? the we're the superior main group but you're a part of the superior subgroup and they're not so you got so they're beneath you and, and you should keep them there because if they somehow grow or have any type of prosperity it's going to harm yours it's going to take away from yours as a matter of fact the hardships that you've had have been because of these people how about that you and know, if they could right. just if they could just pull themselves up by their bootstraps then they could be just success, as successful as you and then by nature, you can be just as successful as us.
That is a masterful uh, manipulation of a group of people. And I do, I, I, I know that on this show we often paint with broad strokes, and we have to. And I do recognize that there's, it's not that cut and dry. There's a lot of little things that go into that. But, you know, we've chronicled actual documented, written into law, discrimination, where Asian people have been named in this country, federally. Um, and so from where we sit, for those of us who actually know the history in this country and really recognize that we do all rise together in solidarity, we recognize that these systems exist and they thrive off of us bickering and arguing with each other on this level. Um, and I in no way want to make an excuse for this behavior. We do need to talk about it. I do, we, di we did really need to mention this on the show because you know there's another human being who, who had a life ahead of him with his, his new bride. Uh, you know, we've heard stories, that these, there's countless stories of people getting killed on the way to or from church. So this is nothing new, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But killed while attending church. That too, you know. Um, but this certainly helps us to, and, and you know, there. I, I remember seeing a video too. I want to be fair. I remember seeing a video, and it broke my heart. There was a man who was walking in front of a hotel, and there was a woman in front, and the Asian woman. She was older, defenseless, and yeah, the man just I beat her up video. and we kicked her. We talked about that on the show too. Yeah, yeah. So beat her up, kicked her, and then they just shut the door of the hotel and didn't even help her. It was the saddest thing in the world. And that grown, is, grown men watched that happen to her and didn't do and anything. closed the door to make sure that they weren't a part of it. Yeah. The solution or what they perceive to be the problem. Exactly. That has nothing to do with us. So um, I recognize that this is not a one way thing. There's there's two. We're, we're all in this together and we all need to figure it out together. But, you know, I guess what I would say is that if you are in a household and your parents or your grandparents or whatever have some prejudices against some other folks, you know, or even if you, it doesn't have to be your parents or grandparents, it doesn't have to be older people. This is what we're talking about in these instances, but it could be younger people too. Um, you can change those people's minds before they get to the point where they're going full Karen before they're calling the police, before they're letting their fear, whether or not it actually is that, turn into what we, we, will, we would both understand as hatred. We would all understand as hatred. Um, because I think that those are really two sides of the same coin. You know, there's an excellent quote from Nas. I'm glad we're on the hip hop station, but Nas, I'm a little older than a lot of our listeners, but, um, you know, Nas, one of the, great MCs of all time, he says, uh, people fear what they don't understand and hate what they can't conquer. Um, and I believe that certainly that first part hmm. is very true. You fear That's what heavy. you don't understand. And so by you taking black stories into a white household, by you taking Asian stories into a Hispanic household, by you taking, you know, native stories into a black household, or LGBTQ stories into a conservative household even, you know, or however you identify. You know, the, the point of this show is obviously to empower black voices and to, to galvanize us to create social change for the better for all people. Um, but also, 
It's to really help us build an infrastructure so that we learn how to love each other better. You have to teach people how to love you. And this is what we're doing in this space. And I think that's a way that we can all do that with each other. Um, you know, and you know, you talk about it all the time. Q picks on me, of course, that I'm kind of an optimist, but I maintain that this show wouldn't exist without optimism from lots of people. You know, whatever station you're listening to this on, there's a programmer that works there that felt like the world could be a little bit better and that they should air this program. And, you know, whatever city you're in, whatever place you're in, and the fact that you're listening to us right now tells me that you feel that way too, to some degree. And that's not lost on me. And so I'll do my best to continue to try to tell these stories and provide some sort of context and maybe a framework of how we can do better. Yeah. And I have to be fair, you know, my, my pessimism to Ramses is optimism. It's not, it's not, it's not hope lost right I, I have an understanding and a realization that there are probably more people that think and feel the way we do than that don't right the problem is so many people that don't are in positions of power and influence and they get to not only feel the way they feel but they're putting forth legislation and making laws and passing laws that make our lives harder right in front of us and it kind of puts us in a position where you get to feel a bit helpless sometimes because we watch these things happen over and over again, even when the outcry is loud. Well said. And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Job. They call me DJ Q Ward. Yes, indeed. And. Coming up in the show, we're going to talk about uh, another story. Um, this time, it's a Latino man attacking random black people in Las Vegas. Um, he says he's, quote, at war with blacks. You know, we're also going to discuss uh, some myths about Abraham Lincoln with DJ Swirl. But first, uh, we're going to discuss how to become a better ally. And we have been talking about that. But Q has some thoughts on... Um, how to perhaps not be so maybe defensive is the right word when it comes to interacting with each other as brothers and sisters. And you know, I realize that that's, you know, you mentioned us painting with broad strokes. Um, often you hear us talking about racism in this country and by nature, uh, the ruling class, the, the people that colonized and settled this land that we live on were white people hundreds of years ago so it's it's really impossible to talk about it without it coming across as racist white supremacist versus black people right that by nature is uncomfortable because we know a bunch of wonderful white people we know we know white people that don't have an ounce of that ideology that love us that support us you mentioned if you're listening to this show there's probably someone that doesn't look like us that felt it was important, valuable enough to put across their airwaves. Right. So, you know, I'd have to imagine that sometimes you listen to a show like this and you want to speak up as to not be lumped into that group. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say, please don't think we're speaking to or about you. 
it's because we do know better yeah you know this is this is not a you know everyone on that side of the street even across political lines are not just by nature ingrained bad evil people it's just that they exist and we do have to talk about it it'd be irresponsible not to that's fair well um yeah um i i like that um there's no real reason to be too defensive um because we do recognize that a lot of the people in the civil rights movement a lot of people that were out last year for um the black lives matter rallies a lot of people that spent time celebrating juneteenth did not look black at all were not black did not identify as black but um we're certainly allies and if you're an ally we want to say please keep doing what you're doing keep please keep helping us change the world so that there's a better tomorrow for us and for you well said q i like that um so switching gears um again i have to tell these really tough stories but you know as minority groups we're often overlapping crossing each other's paths in inner cities and you know there's this sort of you know i'm from california as i mentioned um there's gangs in california there's mexican gangs there's asian gangs of course there's black gangs bloods cribs there's you know all kinds of stuff and that culture is really real and it's has it has strong roots or a strong foundation in the prisons because as we know prisons people tend to run along the color line those are just they overwhelmingly tend to be the people that you identify with you share a lot of values culture sometimes language and so forth um but that doesn't work in the real world with normal people and children growing up and you know folks playing and having a cooperative society um in prison where you know i guess people kill each other i've never been to prison before but um, whatever happens in prison, maybe that works. I don't like it, but maybe it works. Um, but, you know, out here, for those of us that are pushing toward, you know, stronger relationships, you know, in the community, um, we recognize that we have to deal with incidents where we kind of have folks from this race attacking folks from that race and vice versa you know, black folks doing wild stuff or whatever. We have to condemn those actions if it's black folks because we're both black. And so is Swirl. Um, well, he's Swirl, so he's half black. <laughs> Get it, Swirl? Very well played, yeah. sir. But, um, you know, the sentiment is still the same, you know, um, and we have to deal with each other. And so this story is um, a particularly alarming story, and I think that it has a lot to do with poor mental health on the individual's part, but I do want to read a little bit about the story, discuss it, and again, this is not to pit us against each other. This is not to, you know, discuss who was wronged or why why it's unfair or anything like that. It's more to say these things happen. We have to deal with them. We have to figure out how to be brothers and sisters. You know, um, one thing is true for both of us, me and Q, is that our children are all half hispanic and half black that's what it is that's the reality and a lot of people are like that my grandmother is from cuba 
you know spanish was my first language you would never know it looking at me but that's that was with my grandma all the time she spoke spanish so i spoke spanish you know you catch me in mexico i might speak a little more to you so again this is you got to be real careful with stuff like this because you know we're, we're talking to folks that are our allies and people that love us and again just to bring attention to it um so a man was arrested uh june 16th after chasing and punching a black man was walking home from work in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, the assailant, 24-year-old John Ariano, told police he should have killed the man and that he is at war with black people and has since been charged with hate crime and attempted murder. Um, let me skip down here. Uh, okay, here's the story. Author authorities received a call around 5 p.m. about a man being chased down the street. When police arrived, they ordered the man uh, identified as Ariano to get down on the ground, but he began marching toward them, yelling, I hate in words um, officers then fired a non-lethal beanbag round and a stun gun at ariano who said he was being placed under arrest um i punched him he's also facing a charge of assault on a protected person because he advanced towards an officer at the scene um i think black people should be protected peoples too but we got juneteenth I mean, why can't all people be protected people of course but why can't the last inclination <laughs> The last absolute resort be killing someone. Well, in this case, they didn't kill him. And, and you know, maybe that's for the better. Um, according to the victim, uh, Ariana chased him as he walked home from work uh, and then called him a racial slur and punched him in the eye near a bus stop at Fairwood Circle in Jones Boulevard. Um, he then chased him for a 13 minute period over seven blocks and did not arrive and did not stop until officers arrived. Um, and this guy goes on to say, I should have killed that black guy that I hit. Um, and the officer asked him uh, if he was referring to the victim. And he replied, yes, it can affect my pride because he is at war with black people. Um, he is also suspected of attempting to stab a black woman the night before in the same location. Um, and he's being held on $30,000 bail and has a status check scheduled for Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, there's a little note here. Um, again, this whole thing is from the Atlanta Black Star, but there's another note here that says that uh, a lot of the hate crimes against black residents, um, although they rose sharply in 2020, um, which is a trend seen across all states, um, the uh, majority of hate crime victims um, don't report it, and the majority of them are still black. You know, So that's what we got there. Now, I do want to say that I feel very strongly that this person's mental health is is should should come into question. Um, again, I'm not trying to excuse this behavior. And if you listen to the first half of the show, I wasn't trying to excuse the behavior of the uh, the Asian couple in Hawaii. I don't think that that's fair, and I think that that's um, cruel to the uh, victim. You know, people that or victims in this case. Um, but I do think that. It helps us to frame the story the right way um, and it helps us to not react because, you know, in prison and in gangs, the tendency is to, you know, there's mob mentality. Mob mentality is horrible, you know, but it's it's a human condition. The tendency is to say, oh, well, they that group in their in their entirety did something to us, even though it might have been one person. 
they did something to us so we all of us should do something to them and that's how you get gangs and you know prison culture and all that this, this warring stuff to start and perpetuate it um it's like a snake eating its own tail and if we take this example or take these types of examples on an individual basis and we examine them for what they are okay this is a, you know a person with mental health challenges it's my assumption i'm not a doctor i'm not a professional but this type of language and behavior is just not commonplace um it might be hate it might actually feel that way but you know um usually people that are going to get out there and behave like this they have a plan to get away or they're not going to do it in the same location day after day you know what i mean um and i think it's up to us to think critically about how these stories hit us and how we want to react to them um there's there's if if we say okay i'm not going to support that group because they do this all the time this is kind of what i was talking about earlier in the show when the asian folks and black folks in in california where the asian uh, folks oftentimes own stores in the neighborhoods um, instead of cooperating instead of sitting down and discussing our issues and airing out our grievances and so forth if we're pitted against each other if we're you know going back and forth then what we end up with is a no-win situation where we're tearing each other down and we got a lot bigger problems than each other there's much bigger problems much more powerful problems that we have to deal with and I think that sometimes when these stories get brought up and the the perpetu the the perpetrator, sorry, is not white, which is a common enemy, if you will, throughout history. Maybe enemy is not the right word, but that has been the enemy in the story or the the bad guy. You know, in the black stories, you know, it's always white folks coming to burn down our churches and hang us from trees and stuff like that. So, I don't mean that in a modern context, but just throughout the history, this, the history of black people in this country, antagonist, I'll say that, um, oftentimes is white, if you view the, the history through, through a black lens. Um, when you come across a story where the person is not white, who is the antagonist in the story, um, y y I think that maybe you feel a little bit more like, okay, we can do something about this and we can do something physical or we can respond in kind. And so that times, oftentimes spills out into the real world, you know? And um, again, it just, we need to take a moment to address that and acknowledge that that is definitely an outcome and try our best to figure out what the next move is, what's the right move. I wish we had simple remedies because it seems like it should be. Yeah. Uh, Ramses, you guys will hear him say often if you listen to us enough to lead with love. You know, and it, it can't be more difficult to love each other than it is to hate. It can't be more difficult, even if it's just as challenging. You know, I just wish that that was the course less chosen or less taken the route less taken like the, the the ability to lift each other up and love each other smile support uh instead of tearing down hating and oppressing it can't be the path we choose because it's the more simple one so 
you know, I, I don't like to, to feel or sound discouraged as often as I do. It's just really exhausting, you know, that we seem to be on a merry-go-round or running in a loop or like you said, a snake eating its tail of the problems are perpetual. It's, it's the same issues. And I don't know. We've seen examples of better. Yes, absolutely. And it's just really discouraging that we're still here. Well, uh, there's, you know, far be it for me to just only talk about the individuals and not bring attention to the fact that they are the product of the same system as all the rest of them. Granted, they might be outliers, but certainly a product of a racist country founded in white supremacy, specifically a form of white supremacy that overwhelmingly benefits straight Christian males. Um, Almost explicitly. Sure, sure. And, you know, we talk a lot on the show about wanting to avoid becoming desensitized to violence against black bodies. But I think on some level, you and I, Q, um, and you too, Swirl, know that maybe to a degree, we are perhaps a bit desensitized to it. We've learned how to, you know, cut a path through all of the muck that we have to go through to produce the show every week. But um, we recognize that, or at least I recognize in myself that um, the violence against, you know, like if, if, I, if I read a story about a child, you know, um, I, I still have the full emotional response in me to do that. Um, if I read a story about, uh, I don't know, a puppy or something, you know, whatever, you know, I still have the full emotional reserves for it. When it's a black body getting beat on camera or whatever, it's certainly overwhelming. I'm still a human. I still feel it. But there's a part of me that's like, okay, let's go, you know, and I recognize that it's almost normal. So maybe, maybe I'm not saying it the right way. It's, it's normalized, you know, um, and I don't like that. It's maybe because I live in this world and, you know, we do this type of show, but I think that it's by and large normalized across the history of this country. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why people like this man, John Ariano in Las Vegas, can say things like, I hate in words and I should have killed him. And why the couple uh, in Hawaii that we talked about in the first half of the show um, felt like, oh, you know what? I should call the police and let the police deal with this because the person is black. Because if this had been a, a white, what, what is the example we use all the time? A 60-year-old privileged corporate executive looking uh, white male wouldn't have been a misunderstanding, you know? Or it would have only been a misunderstanding. Or, or yeah, only a misunderstanding and that's it. Um, but because it is a 
black person, it's almost like the the world that we live in or the country that we live in certainly um, allows people to think that it's okay to treat black bodies like this. I don't think, and I'm, I'm just speaking for us, I'm sure that there's some people that, that this applies to. I don't think we've become desensitized. Okay. Help me say what I was trying to say. I think it's an involuntary coping mechanism. Okay. Okay. James Baldwin said, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious yeah, is to be in a rage almost all the time. Yeah. That's the only way. That would be the only outcome. Yeah. If every time we saw it, we let ourselves fully digest and fully feel, we would be running through the streets, burning things down. Because it's every day. Yeah. Certainly it is. These stories that we talk about and that we share with each other. Like when I see Swirl's name pop up, I'm hoping it's a funny meme. When I see your name pop up, I hope you want some real chicken. <laughs> and that's an inside joke between us. But you know what I mean? Like I'm hoping it's going to be something light because there's so much that isn't. Yeah. If we really read every story, watched every video and let it hit us the way that it should, it'd be impossible to just hug our kids and live our lives and try to be in any type of normal emotional state. So it's not desensitized. We don't see it and be like, okay, that's not, that's nothing. We have to make the decision to not lose our mind hmm. every time yeah. because we're looking at people that look a lot like us all the time in situations that we're always in. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we're, we're not looking at like New Jack City or the untouchables. When you see gangsters doing gangster stuff yeah. and they end up in situations that are to their peril, that's different. We see people going to like Walmart <laughs> or to get some gas or to church like we see people doing the things that we do every day not criminal things not things that are dangerous in nature just being black and being alive and that's the crime that every day cost them their lives yeah at the hands of people who sign up to protect them quote unquote you know i think that you're right about that too because there's so and this is a little bit of personal story but I, I want you to follow me here um so q uh i came across a story and it was kind of gruesome it's about a black person who's lost his head he was his head was taken off of his body and there wasn't enough in that story for me to really turn it into anything for the radio and if if we were to talk about it we would have to because this is not that kind of a show well it is now because we're talking about it but you're absolutely right there's something that you you're forced to reckon with it and you have to decide okay am i going to be crushed under the weight of this or am i going to be resilient and am i going to be optimistic am i going to recognize that this is relatively speaking rare isolated types of behavior it's um, not either or though right because i'm neither of those two mm -hmm. i don't think it's rare i see it too often mm -hmm. 
and I also don't let myself get crushed underneath it. What I mean, it's almost an acceptance of this is our reality. That's fair. It's going to keep happening. What I was saying is is more like um, rare relative to all of the billions or trillions potentially of interactions between peoples of all different types of colors and backgrounds and so forth on a day-to-day basis. It's very rare that someone would end up without a head. You know, that's a, that's, that's, yeah, that's a that's rare a, thing. That's an extreme case. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I was speaking to. But I think that, um, you know, you're right. You're right. There, there is... There's a lot to digest. This this is a, a kind of a strange show because there's no answers. I mean, there's a clearly issues here. Um, and I think that what I'll say again is if you're in a position to, you know, if, if in your home you come across any sort of racist language behaviors, you know, if you have friends or relatives or whatever, and they're just beyond, you know, your what you're comfortable with, with their jokes and stuff like that. I think that if you were to speak up, if you were to say that's unacceptable, if you were to kind of help root out the ideas that fester and and grow like a cancer and manifest themselves into these types of behaviors, I think that in, in, in calling attention to that and calling people out for those behaviors, you can help inch us a little bit closer to where we need to be. So, um, even recognizing how difficult that is to do sometimes that too you're talking about typically family and close friends making those off-color jokes or those racist remarks that you have to have a very you know confrontational uncomfortable conversation with exactly so um with that said uh let's uh let's let's discuss some some history with the way black history facts world you over there some more positive news man it's a heavy show today right <laughs> hey man it's y'all see, y'all handicapped me with the with the the debbie downer of every episode but that's why i'm here so i'm, I'm all yeah. for it so uh the way black history fact Don't has me. less to do with um just black a black fact and it has to do with facts surrounding someone who is exalted in this country in terms of the black experience and how it allegedly which i'll use now because they like to do that even when there's video <laughs> being shown right but like allegedly uh he took care of uh he put us in a he pointed us in a better direction okay so um so yeah this is five facts five things you didn't know or you may not know about abraham lincoln slavery and emanci- emancipation <clears throat> first all five of them today we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna knock out two right now. Okay, so we're gonna do it in two parts. Yes, sir. All right, let's do that. So first off, Lincoln, contrary to popular belief, was not an abolitionist. So he did believe that slavery was morally wrong, but his issue lied with the Constitution. He struggled like our founding fathers did in addressing slavery, and while they didn't explicitly put slavery into the Constitution. Um, the different clauses um, that include a fugitive slave clause and the three-fifths clause, which allowed southern states to count enslaved people for the purposes of representation in federal government. 
So he always had an issue with it, but not in the way someone who wants to get it eradicated ASAP because that's how abolitionists roll. And so he, in history, the way that I remember learning this was that Abraham Lincoln is and was an abolitionist. And reading this article leads you to believe that he kind of warmed up to the idea. <laughs> so wait, so which article is that? This is from history.com. Okay, so it's the History Channel then. So it's the History Channel. Okay. And so um, they go in, they go at length talking about how he uh, he was not an abolitionist, but um, he understood that through emancipation and that eventually through the 13th Amendment that he would align himself with abolitionists. Okay. Um, the or second fact... clout, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. So it was a, it was a political theater. Mm -hmm. Have you will. You see what goes on nowadays and everything is a show. Uh, second fact, Lincoln did not believe that black people should have the same rights as white people. Oh, okay. Another issue abolitionists, I'm sure, had. Okay. Uh, so, of course, the Constitution has the phrase, all men, are all men are created equal. And he understood that this should apply to both black and white folks in terms of work and in terms of social and political equity. But he did not think that it meant the same social and political rights. And the debate he had in 19, I'm sorry, 1858 with Stephen Douglas, Stephen Douglas called him out and accused him of supporting Negro equality, which he went out of his way to separate himself from the abolitionists of the time. So that way he didn't get that label. Hmm. So, yeah, good old Abe. Man, my, my issue with incrementalists like him is that they often end up doing something for you. I don't want to say by mistake. Oof. But as a consequence of their other right, like I own this apartment building. You live in it. I put the fire out because it's my property, not because I was trying to save you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You understand their, their own ambition. It's, yeah, it's it's, a, it's, it's a, for their own benefit. There's a a pattern of whitewashing history and making history seem less flagrant and insidious. Um and harmful as it is and um you know i think that coming to terms with and recognizing that abraham lincoln wasn't the hero the guy that just came in and freed the slaves while that's true i think that for folks who want to make an argument oh this is not a racist country there's abraham lincoln there's mlk we elected a black president this is not a racist country you know what i mean or this country is its roots were not founded in racism you know whatever folks argument folks want to say um they can use examples like these whitewashed examples um and then for folks who are listening tuned in not doing their own research and certainly gullible i think i don't mean to be unkind with that word but you know gullible we are all gullible to some degree or another depending on the circumstances um you know uh they can get caught up in that like yeah you're right this isn't a racist country you know not since lincoln left office once the slaves were free that's over and i think that when you add you know some context to what really was happening okay this guy really had a and these are only two of the the five myths we have to hit the other two uh, only five on this one there's more on others okay well you know our next show we're gonna um you know follow up with that but you know, I think that, you know, coming to terms with the fact that 
a lot of our current circumstances were born out of necessity and not necessarily out of the kindness in someone's heart or, you know, someone recognizing that, okay, these are my brothers and these are my sisters and this shouldn't be the way our society is built or run. Um, I think that it helps when it comes time to really deal with who we are, where do we come from and what are we doing to move forward as brothers and sisters. And so I'm glad that we discussed this again, not to vilify, um, uh, Abe Lincoln or anything like that, but really just to kind of deal with the real, which is kind of what we do over here. So I have a um, question. Yeah. What's up? So the mental health that you talked about in the previous segment and how seeing it over and over and over and over and over again, how it lessens the blow, right? Not maybe, yeah. not in terms of you being less sensitive to it, but to the fact that you actually have no choice because of law of diminishing returns. Do you think that the whitewashing of American history is to protect white fragility? So they don't have to think about that. So that way the trauma that we have to avoid by splitting up clips. So we don't carry the weight of all of this trauma. Do you think that that's the reason why they soften the blow and every, and Abe Lincoln is uplifted instead of the truth? There is no other reason. That's of course. That's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just so we're on the same page. Yeah. Well, you know, and, 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 and I, it makes sense. You know, I get, I get why people don't want to deal with an ugly past of people that look like them and deal with a narrative that says, well, we got a leg up or at least we didn't have to start before the, the start line. You know, like some of those guys, we started at zero, they started at negative four and I'd rather start at zero. Um, you know, folks don't really like the idea of dealing with that reality or feeling like they're, they owe something feeling guilty or anything like that so um you know i understand it but you know we're going to have to come to terms with it and so that's what we're going to do um and we're going to continue to do um so uh i guess that's as good a place to stop as any so uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week to Civic Cypher. Once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. Uh, shout out to DJ Swirl, uh, show producer, making it happen for us each and every week. Um, if you haven't done so yet, please hit the website, civiccypher.com. You can go on there and submit any questions or topics to the show. Um, we do rely on your feedback. Um, if that's a tall order for you, you can also hit us on our social media. Everything's at Civic Cypher. You can review these uh, topics we discussed today on our Facebook or our um, Instagram. Again, at Civic Cypher. Uh, you can download this and any other previous episodes as well um, on any podcasting platform. And of course, you can make a donation that helps the show grow. And until next week, y'all. Peace. Peace.